Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. May of 1992. May 13th, 1992, exactly. man named Michael Murray had a 20-month-old son, a daughter, and a brand-new six-week-old newborn. It was Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day, he decided he wanted to surprise his wife, who was a nurse. He was going to take both of his children to the hospital where she was on duty, take her her gift, one of those necklaces that says, number one, mom, you've seen them before? So he put his little daughter in the car and he strapped the seat in for his newborn and took off to the hospital. He pulls in the garage, gets the kids out and he goes inside and he surprises his wife. They're able to have lunch. When lunch is over, he kisses her by and takes the kids. He goes back to his car He straps his 20-month-old in, gets in the car, heads out of the garage. Heads out down the highway, gets on Interstate 290. And as he's driving down the road, all of a sudden he hears this noise. And as he looks in his rearview mirror where his newborn son is supposed to be, he saw something fall behind the car. James Boothby, a 67-year-old retired antique dealer, happened to be riding behind the car. And he said when he was riding behind the car, he saw something fly off, and at first he thought it was a pile of trash. Then when it hit, he noticed it was a car seat. And it began to spin around, but it, was, it landed upright, And he said he thought there was a baby doll in the car seat until the baby doll opened its mouth. He slammed on brakes, turned his car sideways so no one else could come by. He ran out, grabbed the car seat to find the newborn unharmed in the car seat and he handed it to a father who was so shaken he could hardly stand. You talking about an absolute miracle? If that were you, how would you feel? Can you believe that something like that would happen? We hear a story like that and we say, man, that is awesome. But too many times we forget, as we just sang about, that God is still at work. You see, we struggle right now where we are in our world today because the message that we keep hearing is of fear and confusion. But I want to submit to us this morning that God has a different message. And before we look at that message this morning, I want you to understand two things. Number one, Satan will do everything he can to destroy and distort the message that you and I have. He'll do everything he can. But also, we need to understand 
the truth about the message that we have. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to look this morning, we're going to look at the early church, the apostles, as they were facing persecution, as they were facing danger, as they were facing confusion, much like we do today. But there was a message that they were supposed to share. There was a message for them to share. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now just hang with me. I'm going to read a lot of this and we're going to break it down this morning. But I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 says this. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all all of who were of highly priest descent. Now, I want to stop right there and tell you what's happened. The disciples were healing people, and there was a a man who who was lame, and Peter had healed him. And that's where this is coming from. So as we pick up here, I want you to understand what they're talking about. All of these people have gotten saved as a result of what they've seen, and there's a problem. Verse 7 says, When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Verse 21 says, when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis in which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. 
When they had been released, they went, on, went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God in one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, I know that's a lot of scripture, so I want us to break it down and see what happened and see what the message is for you and for me. Because the bottom line is, folks, here's our message. Our message is Jesus Christ, okay? Our message is Jesus. So the question we have to answer this morning, what is your message? Does your message line up with what God's word says? I want you to look at what happened here. I want you to see some things about this message. The first thing I want you to see is the division of the message. Notice in the first seven verses what happens there. They're preaching. Peter is speaking. And 5,000 people get saved. But there were two things that were going on. There were people who were choosing sides. The word of God The message of Jesus is going to cause people to choose sides. When the message of Jesus is preached, it's going to penetrate with power. It's going to cause people to have to decide which side they're going to get on. It is going to divide people. We need to understand. Just because you go into a place and speak Jesus does not mean things are going to be okay. As we see here, A man being healed, and instead of that being something to celebrate, it caused division. You see, God's word, the message of Jesus, offends those who are in power. Yes, the message is offensive. Understand that. In fact, I want you to look with me. This will be on the screen too. John 15, John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. I want you to listen to this. Jesus said this, if the world hates you, You know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But in all these things, They will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. You see, guys, God's message, the message of Jesus Christ is offensive. It is divisive. And we need to remember that. It will bring division. So when we share the message of Jesus Christ, we need to be prepared for that. 
But I not only want you to see the division, I want you to see a second thing. I want you to see the clarity of the message. Look in verse 8 and following what happens here. Peter is, is basically being put on trial for preaching Jesus. You notice what they say. Hey, you got to stop preaching in this name of, of Jesus. And Peter makes it very clear, makes it very clear what his message is. He said, listen, if you're offended by the fact that a man is being healed, I can't do anything about that. But I want you to look in verse 12 what Peter says. He said, and there is salvation in no one else. For there are only a few names under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Is that right? Some of you are asleep already. And there is salvation in no one else, Peter says. For there is no other name given under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Peter said there's no other name. There is no other name. He said there is only one way. There is only one way to God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. That will fly in the face of the world, but God's word makes it very clear. Jesus is the only way to heaven, period. And when we look at this and understand the clarity of the message, God made it very evident because you see, Jesus was the only one that was sinless, that could die for our sins and be raised again because of no sin. That is the only way that we have salvation. So our message today, we need to understand, is going to bring division. But our message has to be clear. There is only one way, Jesus. But I want you to notice something else in this message. Not only the division, not only the clarity, but I want you to understand that there's danger in this message. If we look in verses 15 through 22 and you look back at that, I'm not going to read it all. You will see that people are put in a position where they're threatened. You notice that the ruler said, what are we going to do? We've got to instruct them not to talk about this Jesus anymore. There was a danger in the message. There was a danger in the message. Listen, do not be caught off guard today. Do not be fooled. Regardless of what the circumstances that may be going on, underlying a lot of this, Satan himself is doing everything he can to keep the message, the true message, from getting out. We're being told today a lot of things that we can't do. Folks, listen to me. The message of Jesus Christ has to go out. But there is a danger in that message going out. In fact, I want you to look in Colossians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 18 through 23. And here's what I want to say about this. The first danger is to the lost. Okay? The first danger is to the lost. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 
For indeed, the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block, to Gentiles foolishness. Did you notice there what that scripture said? We're not going to be able to figure out our way to God. And just because their signs are not just going to make people believe. Jesus performed miracles and that's what he was talking about. Just because there were things to do didn't make it happen. The message of the cross is dangerous to the lost because it threatens their power. It's also dangerous to those who are saved because it calls us to do more. Another scripture I want you to look at, Luke 14, 25 through 27. This is Jesus. It says, now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, this is Jesus talking to the crowds, talking to us. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, the message of Jesus is dangerous even for those who are saved because it's going to call us to do more. He will never allow us to be comfortable. Let me tell you something. As a believer, if you're sitting here or you're watching this morning and you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you are just comfortable, you say, hey, I'm satisfied with where where I am right now, you're in trouble because God's not going to leave you there. Nowhere in Scripture where you see where God says, hey, I'm going to make everything just nice and smooth for you to where it's smooth sailing until you get to heaven. In fact, it's just the opposite. We talked about that already because Jesus said, hey, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised by the danger of the message You see, the message brings division. The message of Jesus brings division. It causes people to choose. The message of Jesus has to be clear. The clarity of the message, there is only one way to heaven, period. The danger of the message is dangerous for those who are lost and it's dangerous for those who are saved. And if I stopped there today, we would probably leave here discouraged. But you see, that's the great thing about God's word. I want you to see the last thing. I want you to see the power of the message. We sang about this this morning. But I want you to see again what happens. Because when we read Scripture and we understand, when I look at this, it tells me that, hey, anyone who is willing to accept Christ, anyone who is willing to accept that message, it will change them. Has that happened to you? I didn't ask you if you went to church. I don't care if you've been to church all your life. I don't care if you've been baptized. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you have, it will change you. And see, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to be a good person. That's not going to change you. Or I'm going to turn my life around. That's not going to change you. It is the message of Jesus Christ And understand, not everyone's going to accept it. But I want you to notice the last verse. Verse 31. Notice what the people got together and did. They prayed. God's people got together and said, God, we got a problem here. They are persecuting 
our leaders. They are telling us not to preach in your name. God, we know you're the only one who can change this. God, you have got to step in and do something. God, show us what to do. And I want you to notice what happened there. They prayed. The place where they gathered was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they began to speak the word of God boldly. Hello? Can you imagine what it was like to be in a place gathered together and God's spirit moves to the place that's shaken and people leave there speaking the word of God boldly. That word boldly means not afraid, not afraid of the consequences. And when we do that, it makes an impact. But I'm afraid today too often, just like this story, We don't let people in our lives. We don't let people see what God is doing in our lives. He becomes distant. And when people look at us, they can't see anything. When is the last time your world has been shaken by God? Because you ask him to move in your life. You see, too often we hear stories like I started out with and say, well, That's really neat, but that's something that happened somewhere else to somebody else. That doesn't apply to me. Monday morning, I was praying about what I was possibly going to preach on. And understand, you know Brother Mike's here. Now, he texted me Thursday, said, hey, I need you to go ahead and prepare to preach What you didn't know is he also texted, look, I'm having trouble getting rest and getting sleep, so I'm going to come hear you preach. But anyway, (laughs) here's the deal. Monday morning, I was praying. I said, God, how, how can I demonstrate? How can I show and remind us all, including myself, that God is still at work and that he hasn't stopped doing miracles and he hasn't stopped changing people's lives? The phone rings. It was my mom. She was crying. Now, my mom is the second most tender-hearted person that you will ever meet in your life. I married the first, okay? <laughs> Both of them will cry at the drop of a hat. Anything that's just the least bit tender. So I never know when mom cry, calls me crying if it's good news or bad news, Okay? She called to tell me this. My son is down there for a couple of weeks spending time with his Mimi, all right? And they were having breakfast, and she called me crying and said, I just wanted to let you know what happened this morning. I got up and was having my quiet time, and I wanted to encourage Kyle and remind him how special he is. And then she started crying and couldn't finish. I said, Mom, what, what is it? She said, well, I found something in my prayer journal. I said, Mom, send it to me. Put it up there for us, Gabby. You're not going to be able to read it. I'm going to read it to you in just a second. But I want you to notice at the very top left, the date. 12-17-98. My son was born July 10th of 1999. Okay? For those of you who don't know the story very quickly, Julie and I were married 10 years before we had children. But before that, we were told we would never be able to have any. I was there at UAB when the doctor told me I've seen three cases worse than your wife and they're all in their 60s, okay? So no one can tell me, well, they just made a mistake. No, they knew. 
As far as they were concerned, there was nothing else that could happen. But then she got pregnant and had a miscarriage. And then again, and another one. And you're talking about being discouraged. My dad, I will never forget him walking me down the hall of the hospital in Dothan, Alabama, said, son, God's told me you're going to have a child. And I said, dad, I don't want to hear that right now. I don't think God cares. He didn't say a word. He just kept his arm around me and walked me down the hall. Fast forward to December 17th, 1998. Here's the letter. Here's what it says. This is my mom's notes in her prayer journal. Thank you, precious Lord and Heavenly Father, for the wonderful news Gary and Julie got today on the sonogram. The baby is producing its own progesterone and they could see its arms and its legs. And when they started talking, our baby, she put in parentheses, started waving its arms and kicking. He heard their voices. You are a mighty and glorious God. How I praise you for this exciting day and how our hearts leap with joy and anticipation about our baby. Thank you again, Father. That's my mom praying, not giving up. Fast forward to July, my son was born. 15 months later, a beautiful little girl who's now 20 sitting right here was born. Put their pictures up there, Gabby. Here's what I want you to know. Don't you tell me my God can't do anything. Don't you tell me that this virus is too big for God, that this world is too confusing. Don't you tell me that God can't do anything because God has done it in my life and he's done it in yours. And here's what I want us to understand this morning. It doesn't have to be something big. This is just what happened in my life. But you know what people want to hear? They want to know what's happening in your life. What is God doing right now in your life that will help the message of Jesus Christ get out. That's what we need to hear. I am sick and tired of the media getting all the attention and telling us everything that's bad that's going on that we don't have any control over because my Bible tells me that the gospel of Jesus Christ should be my message. The gospel has to be your message. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is the message. You need to be sharing like they said right here. They prayed. The place where they gathered was shaken, filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. God will shake your life if you ask him. So here's my question for us this morning. And God convicted me of this, so I'm just going to be transparent with you. Are you praying for safety or are you praying to be shaken? Because God can't use people trying to run for safety. God's only going to use us if we're willing to be shaken. That may be we're uncomfortable. That may mean things are changing. That may mean our world is completely different. 
But, but, am I going to allow Jesus to be my message? Are you going to be allowing God every day in your life to give the message of Jesus Christ to others? 5,000 people got saved that day. Wow. God doesn't do that anymore though, does he? I want you to think about that this morning. That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.